Here we go. You are listening to Law and Gospel Open Mic Friday on this May the 7th in the year of our Lord, 2021. And even though we call it Open Mic Friday, we're still not back in the studio, so you can't phone us, but you can email us at lawandgospel at lawandgospel101.com. We're going to do something a little different today because I have received almost 2,000 emails for the last 24 years that I have been on KFUO. And taking a look at them, I thought it might be a good idea to put them into a book so you could maybe take a look at them, read them. And I've finished publishing the book. It's called Selected Emails to Law and Gospel on AM 850 KFUO. Uh, This is the first edition, and there are 400 emails. And I did this for the 24th anniversary of being on KFUO. So you can obtain this book. It's a cost of $15, and that includes the postage. And if you're all interested, you just email me at lawandgospel at lawandgospel101.com or listen to the end of the program, and you'll find an address there and ask me to send you a book. You don't give me any money. I will send the book with a bill, and when you get the book and the bill, then you can return a check to me. So what I want to do today is take a look at some of these emails to give you a taste of the kinds of items that we have received. Reverend Baker, what a blessing you are to hear on the radio. I have been praying to hear the truth, and you are rich in it. I have been inspired with your teaching for the last several weeks now. As a child, I attended a Methodist church. Due to the liberal adaptations of Methodists, I have been attending an evangelical church for the last eight years. The church is biblically based. However, as you know, uh, the communion is a memorial. I have come to understand that this is not appropriate. Now, before I go on with the email, uh, the Methodist church, they're ready to have a big, big split. And one of the issues that they're arguing over is homosexuality. There are those in the Methodist Church, and that includes its leadership, that are not disciplining pastors who are marrying gay couples or themselves are gay, and they are not repentant of that, etc. And so there are a lot of Methodist churches also being run by women pastors, which is contrary to the will of God. Now, an evangelical church, this is a church that says it believes in the gospel, but by and large, they do not believe the Lord's Supper is a sacrament. It's rather a memorial. And this email writer says that's not appropriate. So, going on with the email. I have been an avid Bible study student for the last several years, 
with an insatiable appetite for understanding. This is why I love your program so very much. Here is my question. All records of my baptism as a child were destroyed in water damage at the church. I personally do not have a copy. I would very much like to be baptized again. I know that the church where I have been attending is not a church where I should remain. I am wonderfully drawn to the Lutheran faith. Is it possible to be baptized by a Lutheran pastor before I could take the church classes and join the church? I'm feeling somewhat of an urgency about this, although I have nothing tangible to cause it. This has been on my mind for a few years, however, and I'm not getting any younger. Your suggestions would be greatly appreciated. I'm listening to the radio and hope to hear your answer. If not, please email me at, then the email address. Thank you and God bless. Okay, so what happens in these 400 emails? Many of them have questions. And I answer all the questions although they're not in the book itself, because I answer them either on the next Open Mic Friday or I'll email the person. And recently I've been asking people to give me their phone number. And the reason for that is I'll phone them and talk to them. Because a lot of times an email is really difficult to answer a question. For example, I have sent emails that I thought were pretty good answers. And then I get a return email saying, you know, that was a wonderful theological treatise, but it's not what I was asking. So I've discovered that a lot of times it's best what to do to have them give me your phone number. And that way I don't mind phoning at all. It's usually in the evening and I'll try a few times. So what did I say to this person who was baptized, but the records have been lost, and she wants to know if she has to be rebaptized? Well, the question is, are you sure you were baptized and that the records are lost? Why? Because baptism is a one-time event. If you have been baptized, there's no necessity to be rebaptized, even though you may not have the records. Now, when we baptized two children recently, the, the church had a banner for them, and then we also gave copies of their baptismal certificates to their parents, and the church kept also the baptismal certificates, and I kept the baptismal certificate. And, and the reason for that is even though a baptismal certificate is not necessary, uh, sometimes it is good to give evidence of your age and other items that are on the baptismal certificate uh, for the government. So, if you've been baptized and have just lost the papers, I would say a second baptism is not necessary. 
You don't have to have the papers. God's not going to ask you for papers when you die and are in heaven saying, where's your baptismal papers? How do we know you've been baptized? He knows all things. And you say that you were baptized, but the papers were destroyed in water damage to the church. The question about, is it possible to be baptized by a Lutheran pastor before I could take the church classes and join the church? When I was in the congregation for 28 years, I had multiple adult instruction classes, and I had no problem at all in baptizing the people in the class or their children prior to the ending of the instruction class. Sometimes it would go up to 20 weeks, but by the third or fourth or fifth week, individuals were saying, like the Ethiopian eunuch to Philip, what prevents us from being baptized? And after a short understanding of what baptism is, we had no problem baptizing their children and themselves prior to becoming communicant members of the church. I've often said that in my congregation, uh, a quarter to a third of the people, I would not commune, even though they were members. Well, what am I talking about? I'm talking about children who have not yet been confirmed, and so they would not be taking the Lord's Supper without a proper understanding of it, but they were baptized members. And if they died, we would give them a Christian funeral and the assurance that heaven would be their home. Why is it important that baptism takes place if they're already believers? And we mentioned this a number of times on the program. The point is this, baptism is kind of God's adoption papers. You want to know if you are a member of the family of God, that your sins have been forgiven? Remember what Peter says at Pentecost? Be baptized for two gifts, the gift of the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that occurs even in children, infants, because it's a method of adoption, just as a regular adoption of an infant, the infant has no knowledge of what is going on, makes no choice, but as they grow up, they learn that they have been adopted into a family and have parents that have been okayed by the government, and that means they're therefore children of those parents. That's how baptism is to be looked at because God gives a promise in baptism. So I would definitely visit a Lutheran church, talk to the Lutheran pastor, explain that. Uh, perhaps you might know the year in which the baptism took place and the papers were destroyed uh, with water damage. I would have no problem as a pastor giving you another kind of certificate indicating that you had been baptized and therefore all the promises of God 
were for you. You say, I feel somewhat of an urgency about this, although I have nothing tangible to cause it. Well, that urgency comes about because of the thought that because I don't have the baptismal papers, well, then I'm not sure that whether or not God's promises are sure. Yes, they are, if you've been baptized. Now, occasionally, I'll have someone wanting to join the church, and they don't know whether or not they were baptized. In that case, we would do a baptism, but not because a second baptism is necessary, but just in case they really weren't baptized, we can now give that assurance. When you join the church, and that is as a communicant member, the promises of the Lord's Supper are wonderful. Remember what Jesus says, take, eat this bread, this is my body given for you. And that's what is so important about the Lord's Supper is that it just isn't understood as receiving the body and blood of Jesus Christ. But the analysis is that it is for you. And so the Lord's Supper would be a wonderful example of helping you come to a better assurance of your salvation. So that's kind of one example of the 400 emails that we have uh, kind of taken a look at. And so perhaps another one would be helpful. This one has this to say. I really am enjoying your blogs, Pastor Baker. Thank you for your integrity in light of modern Christianity. I hope you don't mind entertaining a question. I understand you are busy. I won't be offended if you aren't able to respond. It seems the depth of my sin came after I became a believer. I've been very sincere in my faith, but unfortunately, I divorced my wife for unscriptural reasons. It was a lonely marriage of 11 years, and I succumbed to the calling of another. That relationship didn't work, but it started a dive of destruction. I also bear the guilt of two aborted children. With the words of our Lord concerning divorce and remarriage, I've been remarried nearly two years. I wonder if I'm in a perpetual state of adultery. Also the blood of my children on my hands. How selfish I am. I know I deserve death and hell. My question is simple. Can I be saved? Will I be saved? I need to understand from God's word. Why is it I don't see a lot of grace in the Gospels? If I am saved, how does God see me? Does he love me, yet really disappointed in me? How do I live? I admit I live in fear of death. Sorry, there is more than one question. Looking for peace.
and he signs his name. Well, after I read this, I came to the conclusion that only a Christian could write this. What? He just admitted he committed adultery. He also was involved with the abortion of children. How, therefore, can you say that he is a Christian? Well, the thing that got me thinking that is what he said in the third paragraph. It seems the death of my sin came after I became a believer. You know, that's where the death of your sin occurs, after you become a believer. Now, a lot of people, when they say, well, if he's a believer, he should believe that he's been forgiven his sins. Well, law and gospel are at work. What do I mean by that? The law accuses us of not meeting God's will to a degree where we know we're going to be saved by our obedience. And the more you read the Bible, the more you get to that confession that we often say in our worship. I'm a poor, miserable sinner deserving nothing but temporal and eternal punishment. Now, this individual does not indicate what denomination he belongs to. And it would seem to me that he's not hearing the gospel properly because he says, why is it I don't see a lot of peace or grace in the gospels? I, I like listening to sermons of other pastors. And I was just listening to a few yesterday and I was really surprised how these sermons do not properly distinguish between law and gospel. He was talking about the difference between sheep and goats. And he said, the sheep are those who follow the will of God and the goats do not. Well, I really disagree with that. We sheep as believers also do not follow the will of God. We are sinners to the core. Yes, we've been forgiven our sins, but sin keeps cropping up in our life to the point where we can get really disturbed by it if we don't hear the proper gospel. The sermon was making the point, and it ended on this, that we Christians follow Jesus. And what was meant by that, we are doing his will. Now, I'm not such a person who follows the will of God at all times. The Sermon on the Mount makes it clear that even though we may not have many sins of action, we also have sins of thought and sins of word. Therefore, there's nobody who follows the will of God properly. What this individual is experiencing is what we refer to as contrition. 
In fact, I got an email just recently asking, what do we mean by contrition? Contrition is kind of repentance in the sense that we are sorry for sins because they really attack Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins. And we recall from the Bible that even the apostles after Pentecost at times continued to sin. Remember the uh, apostle Paul had to criticize another apostle when Jews came from Jerusalem to eat and that apostle refused to eat with them with the Gentiles. And Paul made a big point that that was a denial of the cross of Christ. So it doesn't matter how good a pastor you have, how good a teacher you have, all of us sin and fall short of the glory of God. When somebody asks, can I be saved? Will I be saved? I need to understand from God's word. The answer is, yes, you are saved because you have the attitude of a Christian. Namely, you are a terrible sinner and you don't understand how you don't deserve death and hell. That's part of a confession of sins. Under the law, which means hearing the words of the law, Jesus appears as a judge, judging us for what we have done wrong. And therefore, we think we're going to hell. But under the gospel, a proper hearing of the gospel, we're saved by grace through faith on account of Jesus. What does that mean? by grace. It means you don't deserve to be forgiven your sins. And yet God, in his love towards you, because of what Jesus experienced, his sufferings and his death on your behalf, your sins are forgiven. He even said that from the cross. We mentioned this numerous times. Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. This gift of the forgiveness of sins is a free gift by grace, and it comes from a merciful God. What does merciful mean? It means you do not get what you deserve. Christianity is the only religion on earth, if you even want to call it that, where God steps in and does for you what you're unable to do for yourself. So should you be concerned about the sins you have done? Absolutely. That's what contrition is. And that's why you take it to the Lord in prayer, confessing that you have fallen short of his will and you don't deserve anything but temporal and eternal punishment. That's what this email writer does when he says, I know I deserve death and hell, but God doesn't give you what you deserve when you trust in Jesus. The very fact that he asks, 
Can I be saved? Will I be saved? It shows that he is definitely having a Christian attitude. An unbeliever couldn't care less whether they're saved or what they can do to be saved. They're not that interested because they don't think they're that much of a sinner. But this individual has seen his sin. Now, you that I'm speaking with may not have sins to this level, but there are sins of thought, word, and deed that you have done. And to say that you're good enough to go to heaven is really to say that everybody else needed Jesus' death on the cross, but you didn't because you aren't that big a sinner. That's ridiculous. So what we see in this email are the marks of a Christian, somebody who is really worried about their salvation, but they can be assured through the teaching of the gospel that God has sent his only beloved son to die for our sins, and heaven is our home. If you're not a member of a Lutheran church, I would go as quickly as you can uh, to a pastor of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, because you won't hear this message a lot of times from some other Lutheran churches like Elka, but you will hopefully from the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, and you'll hear the message of the gospel in such a way that you will understand that you're saved by grace through faith. And though you live in fear of death, you will be comforted by the fact that death for you will be an open door into heaven. So if you'd like to purchase this book, just email me at lawandgospel at lawandgospel101.com. We'll send you the book and a bill for $15 that you can return or listen to the address at the end of this program where you can send a contribution, but you don't need to for this book. God bless Listen you. To Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.